uh, we're going to do some warm-ups today. So get out your pen and paper, and let's do those ellipses. So yeah, the first one, <laughs> that can be the worst one. Uh, it looks like we're not exactly live yet on YouTube, um, but yeah, here we go. <laughs> I like to make sure that we're uh, we're getting the live stream up and ready. I like to do fifty of these little elliptical shapes. Get myself warmed up. That's nice to. Uh, It's nice to do before drawing stuff. I like doing it before I do the show. Right, if you use paper or pencil, you know, this can be really effective. But also, you know, if you're just like, you know, if you hold it right on your, this is a trick with appropriate, which you probably know, but if you hold it for long enough, right, you can make it perfect. But the idea is, <laughs> the, the, like the comparison, between what was perfect and uh, what I did. Um, anyway, I like this, I like, uh, you know, just kind of knowing this is something that I'm never going to quite get it as accurate as I could with uh, mechanical means, but that's okay. How many have I done? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. All right. With 40 more to go. <laughs> yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, and if you're just getting just getting warmed up too, right, feel free to join me. Or you can enjoy <laughs> watching me struggle through this. Call that 20. <laughs> I'm like, like 21, 22, 23. All these are kind of going one direction. Or you can go clockwise, counterclockwise, five, six. That's nice. <laughs> Give myself some more room. Seven, eight, 30, 31. That one looks like a potato shape. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Kind of like that movie Inception. All right. <laughs> Two, four, and for the last five, I'm going to switch over and use my other hand. Uh, Oh my god, <laughs> it's terrible, it's terrible. Warm ups, right? Don't show this to anybody, right? 
as long as long as you remember that. Other than that, Best one yet. Okay. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Drawing for Tattooers. Uh, thanks for um, thanks for uh, doing your ellipses with me. I hope you're all warmed up just like I am. Right. Uh, so um, this uh, this is Monday, August twenty first. Right. It's uh it's nine oh six a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. And if you're watching right now, you're watching Drawing for Tattooers on Guy Atchison's uh, Reinventing Tattoo Network, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are all encouraged to join in the live stream and real world events. Um, our goal is to inspire and ultimately create better art and tattoos together. Uh, we beam out nearly every single day. And with your help, we've evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art-related shows. Um, Let's see, you can, uh, you can always find more uh, on Reinventing the Tattoo, as well as these other fine places. And this is, I'd like to share my screen with you all at this point. So I'll do that. All right. Cool. So this is the Reinventing the Tattoo homepage, uh, where you can find the free community as well as sign up for different courses, including the Canon, which is uh, the Reinventing the Tattoo book. Um, started off as a three ring binder, and now is this, uh, now is this community, this information sort of, you know, Mecca, where you can learn all about the art that goes into tattooing. It's not really about teaching you how to tattoo per se, but it does, you know, teach you all of the image making practices that are really going to uh, take your tattoo into the next level. So be sure to check out reinventingthetattoo.com for more. Um, right. So we've got these shows at this one. Um, uh, we also have uh, podcasts, right? So if you want to check out the podcast, you uh, can find us at all these uh, mm -hmm. fine places, right? The Apple App Store, the Google Play Store. Um, but of course, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Roku. Um, but no matter where you're looking, right, you're always going to find the latest and greatest here on reinventingthetattoo.com. Um, so we have a, uh, we have professional development courses from 20 of world-class tattooers, right? We're always updating. Uh, you could choose, um, so many different a la carte, uh, courses, right? Courses. Check that out. Yeah. Um, so these are some of the different offerings that you can you can choose from. Uh, reinventing the Tattoo Canon, like I was talking about. History of electric tattooing. Um, realistic 3D areola uh, webinar with uh, Lita Edwards. Uh, Nick Baxter's holistic approach. Black and gray skull tattoo from Bob Tyrell. Uh, BJ Betts lettering. Uh, the list goes on and on. And so uh, be sure to check out uh, reinventingthetattoo.com for more. Um, and we have a number of uh, weekly staple shows. I'd like to go through some of those with you right now. Uh, beginning on uh, Sunday, 
we have uh, the skill building drawing group hosted by Jason Leeser. Uh, that's followed on Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern, Drawing for Tattooers with James Wisdom. That's me. That's this show. Thank you for coming. Um, followed uh, at 11 a.m. on Mondays, the Tattoo Now show. Uh, it's back and better than ever, so be sure to tune in for that. Uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern, we have Let's Talk About Feelings with Robbie Ripple. Um, let's follow at 9 p.m. On Mondays with the uh, Reinventing the Tattoo subscribers exclusive drawing group. And so uh, to gain access to that, you can find out more on the Reinventing the Tattoo homepage and uh, you can subscribe and join the drawing group. So uh, we also have a few more shows to talk about uh, on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Uh, we have the Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast. Uh, hosted by Farn Baker and Kyle Bernstein's on there. Uh, and the whole gang from Red Tree ends up sort of coming on. Uh, it's, it's really a lot of fun, that show. So uh, be sure to check out the uh, Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast, right? Um, now's the point where I do like to uh, mention our sponsors and thank them. Uh, WorldTattooEvents.com, just most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. Lots of updates as conventions are rescheduling like crazy. Uh, so you can find out more about tattoo events coming to your town at worldtattooevents.com. Um, tattoo Now. Tattoo Now is technology for tattooers. It's the leading edge in professional development and management and digital tools for tattooers of all levels. There are upgrades competitive with any CRM mailing list software out there. Um, so if you really want to take your communication to the next level, um, you know, please consider Tattoo Now. Uh, you can ask for Gabe, who gets you all set up, onboarded, as it were. Um, and of course, we'd like to thank Guy Atchison for being the founder and inspiration behind reinventing and the reinventing the tattoo community. You can learn more about Guy Atchison at uh, guyatchison.com. Uh, where you can find custom prints, uh, original oil paintings, tattoo machines, um, as well as learn about Guy and his journey being a painter and making his way through the tattoo world. Um, so yeah, make sure to check out guyatchison.com. He's got a portfolio on here uh, and all kinds of products and stuff. So there's all kinds of uh, fun things that you can, you can find. Uh, tattooing Wisdom my website be sure to check it out if you want to learn more about me uh always updating it always working on it so uh, uh work in progress so <laughs> anyway uh you can learn more about me at tattooandwisdom.com uh i got a couple of uh um got a couple of uh you know events i'd like to plug real quick uh the high lifestyle show uh and tattoo arts festival um it's coming uh, to Boxborough, Massachusetts, September 22nd through the 24th. Uh, so if you're going to be in the, uh, the, the Boxborough, Boston area, uh, September 22nd through the 24th, uh, check out the High Lifestyle Show. Uh, come get a tattoo. Um, there's going to be a lot of artists there, uh, but I know Fawn Baker's going, uh, and I'm going. Uh, a, lot of other, a lot of other great artists are going to be there, as well as all sorts of fun and cannabis-related uh, uh, sort of uh, celebration. So be sure to check it out. And the Paradise Tattoo Gathering. 
can't wait for this. Uh, we're going to do the show, Drawing for Tattooers, here. But there's going to be so much more going on. So it's, uh, it's highly recommended um, if the tickets are on sale right now. So be sure to check out uh, tattoogathering.com where you can learn more about uh, visiting beautiful Jiminy Peak for the uh, Paradise Tattoo Gathering. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, if you, um, if you enjoy this content, please like and subscribe. Um, and uh, you can leave uh, positive reviews uh, at here where you're watching it, um, as well as, uh, okay, as well as like if you would like to host a Reinventing the Tattoo event or sponsor the community, you can email management at reinventingthetattoo.com. And, uh, and so um, with that, we'll get on with it. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody for coming. Um, yeah, and welcome to, a, to another uh, episode of the show. Uh, looks like Spirit's on in the background. It's great to have you this morning, Spirit. Feel free to free to hop on if you're uh, if you like. Um, we've really been having uh, you know lots and lots of, uh, of fantastic episodes lately. Lots of great guests. Uh, so be sure to check out the replays on YouTube, available on YouTube, on the Reinventing the Tattoo uh, Network channel. Um, and so yeah. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Oh goodness, I'm topless. Let me. Uh, let me <laughs> I didn't even know that issue. <laughs> yeah, I don't want everybody to be uh, to see my sexiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we gotta uh, you know maintain the ads, right? You know what I mean? Like right, yeah, on right. It's uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. YouTube. YouTube automatically does. Mm -hmm. you know? Anyway, whatever, whatever they do. Um, so yeah, if we show too much nudity, they, you know, <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't monetize the episodes. Yeah, so we've got to watch out for that stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's been a, it's been a hectic week of tattooing for me. Awesome. It's been great. Yeah, no, I hope, I hope you all out there are enjoying your work as well. Um, Beard, how have you been? How are things going? I've been good, man. Um, I can't lie. I can't complain. I'm doing great. I love uh, loving what I do. Doing all the nothing really has been um, going on. Just you know, I've just been doing a lot of tattooing. Just been you know um, finding my. I found I've, I'm okay. So so remember when I was really trying to go hard on like realism. Mm. So I'm I'm actually I'm actually more focusing re refocusing on neo traditional now. Um, so that's kind of the direction that I think I'm just going to just really just kind of put most of my focus. I'm really going to, I mean, I'm still going to try to, um, like learn about realism and just learn that skill, but I'm not, I'm not going to like just really try to go in that direction. I'm just going to try to, you know, um, stay in the neo-traditional, neo-traditional realm. No, I think that's, uh, that's very interesting. Um, I, I love I love this neo traditional stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I really do. It's it's very beautiful. Um, it 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 takes a lot of the elements that I think are really great about traditional um, and realism, right? Mm -hmm. It is it's like a mashup of those things. And so I'm really you know I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, right. That's kind of the you know the the way that you're synthesizing right the all the realism that you're doing because maybe that's a way that you express yourself through your other artwork 
Um, but you know, traditional tattoos, they, they make for really great tattoos also, which is, mm-hmm. you know, which yeah. Is, so. Yeah. And then, yeah, they just, they just last, they last longer in my personal opinion. I mean, I, I, let me just say that what, what I have learned from neo-traditional tattoos, I'm able to apply much longer lasting elements to the tattoo than I've been able to do with realism. That's excellent. Um, mm-hmm. That is really excellent. Um, well, uh, do you have anybody that you particularly like um, that does neo-traditional that you're really into? Yeah, I've been looking at um, I've been looking at this one guy that's actually going to be at the um, um, the expo that you got the Paradise um, mm-hmm. Paradise Tattoo Gathering, and his name is uh, I think it's Drew Chalice. Ah, um, and uh, it's either Drew's Chalice or Drew Chalice. I'm sure it's Drew Chalice, um, but it's that on Instagram. And uh, oh my God! I mean, his his work is mind-boggling. I mean, it's just so clean, just so perfect, and just like, um, you know, I, I sent I sent I sent pictures to you guys, just kind of asking questions about like what gives it this look, like why is why does this look this way, you know? Um, and and one of the first things I noticed was. He doesn't really do a lot of backgrounds on his work. He doesn't do a lot of backgrounds. He doesn't do that like that little cheesy little S. I mean, if you do this S curve, I, I'm just saying, fuck it. He just he doesn't do that little cheesy little S curve negative space that everybody does. Um, and I just call it cheesy because it's it's a motion device that we use to to create motion. And um, you know, I haven't really. I haven't really been utilizing it, but people will tell me that I should. You should put an S curve, a, a, a negative space S curve in it, and I'm just like, there are people that do it without having to do that, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's beautiful. I mean, like, I remember I zoomed in. Like, let's like let's zoom into that that one. Zoom in let's on that one if you can. Yeah, let's check it out. Can you zoom into the? um the like the two lines that make the 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 bottle which the that's the 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 edge of the outside edge yeah the edge of the outside edge of the bottle um these ones oh oh you i see what you're saying like these these two parallel yeah 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 yeah. oh my god Look, look at that like that's that's amazing you know, just the how straight it is and how parallel they are. You know, even the water. How does he do it? You know, how does he, you know, exact these perfect lines? And you know, um, yeah, it's just uh, this is gorgeous. I just love it. You know, he utilizes like the piece to create background. He uses the because I asked uh, Kyle about it. Um, Kyle Olson, um, and uh, he said, "Well, you know, it's a, a few of a few of the re- of the things that he does is he utilizes different shapes to create the motion. You know, um, mm-hmm. he use different tonal values to create the the motion and the dynamic, the dynamis, the dynamicy of it. Um, I love his color palette, just the 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 muted." 
orange behind the the really poppy red um i'm starting to see that traditional artists mainly use three colors like they'll use one color that has all of the the the, um, the trimmings you know they'll use a like the skull like the dark red all the way into the light red but then they'll keep the muted tones kind of um like one step like like the leaves they look like they have about two steps you know what i'm saying but the red probably has about four or five well this is interesting because this is you know really what i wanted to talk about today is color um but i was awesome. you know i'll just mention too i i definitely see is interesting i definitely see in the composition this motion an s-shaped motion <laughs> if you like <laughs> the place mm -hmm. where it leaves you know well it's at least a diagonal you know what i mean it gives us this you know this sort of diagonal pattern um very interesting you know what I mean? And so I, I hear what you're saying about like, uh, you know, that there can be this device that's almost, it feels so formulaic, like we're just doing the same thing over and over again. Um, but, you know, having, having, you know, I guess like a diagonal that's inherent to the thing, it ends up, I think, helping you, uh, you know, sort of break up that static, all the vertical and horizontal stuff um but yeah like mm. composition here this bunch of leaves to these ones over here it really is sort of you know it's sort of leading our eye along this jawline um and the cheek the cheekbone if you will yes yeah so i was gonna say that like the the jawline and the cheek like behind the eye socket like that forms you know the the stem of the the middle stem of the s yes you know yeah. Uh, and I didn't see that until you just said it. It was like, oh, wow. Right. And then there's, of course, so, you know, so the, so some anatomical terms, because I love it, right? So the zygomatic is your, that's your cheekbone. Go the zygomatic and so the zygomatic arch and then the orbital sockets, the orbits, right? You can see this, this slight arc right here. It does, it gives us, it gives us another, uh, as it were, like, you know, sort of directional. Right. There's a bit of perspective there, but so but it is it's quite masterful. You know, it's really quite masterful that it's right. uh, that it's being used. Um, and so, yeah, no, but I, I love that. And also, I think it's cool, too, that you're kind of seeing more in it, uh, you know, as you go. And so there is uh, there is composition. But certainly, you know what I mean? There's um, uh, it's almost like we, we don't even have to think about it because it's you know, it's just so well done. Uh, hey, good morning, Kyle. See ya. Hey, Kyle of the building. We're just uh, we're just chatting about uh, some tattoos and stuff. You know, things that we like to usually do. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, everybody, you know, give uh, give Drew uh, Shallis uh, a, a like and a follow. See, am I following you yet? I'm following you now. Follow. Um, yeah, very cool. And the, yeah, so a lot of, you know, this really uh, interesting neo-traditional um, aesthetic, which I think can be, uh, make for great tattoos, right? And also be uh, uh, very fascinating, right? Very artful as well, you know? A lot of really great work. Um, but yeah, no, uh, 
that's interesting that you're saying the limiting of the palette, right? The limiting of the mm-hmm. palette, traditional artists, especially, uh, you know, they would only have a few colors to choose. From. There were only a few colors available. Mm-hmm. Um, in Sailor Jerry's book, uh, his, um, you know, his auto, you know, his autobiography, you can read about how he was able to bring over, you know, a sort of a violet color that he was able to import from Japan. Japan had had purple <laughs> that uh, that wasn't available yeah. to American tattooers. And Sailor Jerry, you know, was able to um, interesting, interesting character and, and somebody that will definitely, you know, we'll want to talk about, uh, you know, give gives, you know, specific specific time to. But it just, you know, sort of an interesting connection there. Um, but now we've got so many colors and so many different inks to, to choose from. Uh, just yesterday, I was, uh, I visited uh, Jason Leeser's show. And, and oh, uh, nice. I couldn't help but to talk about um, uh, what's been going on, uh, what the APT, the Alliance of Professional Tattooists, has been talking about. That is the Modernization of Cosmetics Regulation Act, or MOCRA. This is a federal regulation that has been that has been passed. There is it's still being you know sort of finalized, but this is going to affect affect all of uh, you know your tattoo supplies, your inks, your needles, your machines, your ointments. All of it will be subject to this federal regulation. Uh, so under the the FDA Food and Drug Administration, they are going to start regulating tattoo inks. This is a thing. It's ha- it's already happened. Um, and it's going to it's going to continue to happen. So, so I'm trying to encourage everybody that I know that's loves tattooing, is tattooer or collector, anybody, uh, get involved. You know, make sure that make sure the tattoo artists have a have a voice, um, have a seat at the table. You know, to sort of talk about this. Um, but of course, you know, uh, if if we end up having to limit our palette. <laughs> You know, uh, it would be it would be really nice if this was a decision that we could make on our own to limit our palette rather than, you know, than regulation forcing us to limit our palettes, as it were. So these are uh, these are, you know, important things. But again, I really like to talk about color theory. Um, So I had something that I really wanted to to share with you all. Let's see. Um, hmm. Hold on a second. I will. Uh, oh, Kyle, I haven't responded to your message yet. I uh, got a chance to, to like it, but um, I haven't got a chance to respond to it. I'm sorry. Whenever you can, man. Like, it's it's not a huge deal. You know, we got lice. We, we're busy. We got shit to do, you know. So whenever you can. It's true. Oh, I love that book. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Uh, James Gurney, Color and Light. So, you know, there's a there's a chapter on color. So again, maybe this would be a good like refresher. Maybe, you know, uh, maybe, you know, if you're watching us out there and you enjoy this talk about color, um, uh, this would be a great resource and reference, you know, for if you're, you know, for your painting, for your tattooing. Um, and I don't think it matters what sort of aesthetic that you are really interested in. There are basic 
fundamental principles uh, that James Gurney talks about, which I think could be uh, very useful uh, for all sorts of all sorts of applications, right? So we're going to be covering the chapter elements of color, and so it's it's pretty short. Um, so I just figured I would uh, I'd go through it with um, with you all, and so. Um, How's it look, Kyle? Can you see it? Yeah, yeah, everything looks good. Looks good. Okay. Um, so, uh, right, uh, rethinking. Move this out of my way so I can. Read. Yeah, yeah. So rethinking the color wheel. Right. It's uh, you know this is this is James Gurney's premise here. So um, here I just sort of I'll just read it with you all. So uh when white light is bent or refracted by a prism or a rainbow it separates into a continuous gradation of colors wrapping those colors around a circle creates a hue circle better known as a color wheel so definition of color wheel, right okay so how we name separate and separate the colors is a matter of discussion related to physical science visual perception and artistic tradition in the continuous spectrum produced by a prism, there is no clear division between the colors. Sir Isaac Newton, 1642 to 1727, proposed wrapping the spectrum around the circle by merging the two ends of the visible spectrum, red and violet. He observed that the hues gradate smoothly into each other. Figure number two. Ah. Everybody's getting motion sickness, right? Yeah. Figure two. Mm. You can see this, you know, this gradation. Everything's just smoothly gradated, um, right? So that's just what we just what we were mentioning. We've probably seen that. But it's color picker. You know what I mean? We've seen this all before. Anyway, um, but in the diagram, you know, he's identified seven colors known as uh, Roigibiv. So if you've ever heard that before, you know, likely in grade school, <laughs> Roigibiv is a uh, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo and violet. Uh, the tradition among artists has been to drop the indigo and to concentrate on six basic colors. Um, the artist's primaries. Right. Artists generally regard red, yellow, and blue as the most basic colors, but from the Greek and Roman times to the Renaissance, most people thought green should be included too. The idea of a primary color is that it should be possible to mix every other color out of the three primaries. If you ask most people to select three hues of paint to match their mental image of the primary colors, they will most likely pick something like cadmium red, cadmium yellow, and ultramarine. Uh, you may have noticed uh, that with those colors, uh, you can mix clear oranges, but the greens and violets are very dull. The traditional artist's wheel, figure three, so this one right here with the little clock in the middle of it here, um, uh, presents yellow, red, and blue spaced at even thirds around the color wheel about, sorry, <laughs> about in the position of 12 o'clock and four o'clock and eight o'clock. Mixtures of the red, blue, and yellow primaries create the secondary colors are, uh, and they are of violet, green, and orange. They appear uh, between the primaries at two, and two six, and 10 o'clock on the traditional. So just to kind of check it out, because we just sort of said, got, so yellow at 12 o'clock. Uh, uh, what was it? Um, you, you named these also so nicely. 
yellow, red, and blue, right? So red at two o'clock and then blue at six o'clock, uh, followed by the secondary colors, uh, violet at uh, six o'clock, rather, oh, we have, sorry, violet at like four, looks like 3.30, 3.45 or something like that. Um, and then uh, green at 10 o'clock, orange at one. Interesting, right? Just sort of interesting how it's sort of, uh, you know, how this traditional wheel is, uh, is sort of broken up. Anyways, um, complements. This is color theory, right? Complementary colors. Any color that holds a position directly across the wheel from another color is known as a complement. In the world of pigments and color mixing, the color pairs are yellow and violet, green and red, blue and orange. And when the pigmentary complements are mixed together, they result in a neutral gray uh, that is a gray with no hue identity. The realm of after images and visual perception, these pairings are slightly different. Uh, blue is opposite yellow and not orange. Yeah, just sort of interesting. But yeah, like you look at the color wheel, you can see, you know, it's sort of represented like yellow is across from violet. And those are the complements, right? Red is across from green. They are complementary. Blue from orange. When you mix them together, they neutralize each other. So when we say hue, we're talking about this name of the color, right? And when we say this intensity, right, there's a certain intensity, a maximum intensity where it's like this pure you know, yellow or pure blue or whatever. Um, when it mixes with its complement, it neutralizes and becomes closer to some kind of a gray. Um, so anyway, that's, that's what we were talking about so far, right? The traditional wheel. Uh, there are a few problems with the traditional wheel, according to James Gurney. Um, uh, the wheel in figure three, first, the idea that red, yellow, and blue are primaries is not set in stone. Any of the infinite hues on the outer rim of the gradating wheel could make an equal claim as a primary. Um, so let's, uh, let's get into it here a little bit. A little bit of text on these first two pages, but then it's lots of pictures. <laughs> it's just, I was just chatting yesterday, and, and uh, you know, I, I always, I love art books. I have lots of them, and it's always something that I've, that I've really collected and been interested in. But I just looked at the pictures for years and years. You know what I mean? I didn't read that shit. Like, <laughs> guilty, right? There's a whole other world that happens, right? When you read the words in the art books, everybody, right? So if you are, uh, you know, if you're hooked on TikTok, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you're just constantly TikToking, you know what I mean? It can be tough, right? To sit down and read stuff. But I just, you know, I think that it can be, uh, it can be so, so beneficial, right? Anyway, I love I love to read the art books these days. Uh, I get so much more out of it, especially like this one. I've read this one a few times, um, and I and I was reading it, you know, before we got on to sort of refamiliarize myself with some of this content. And you just you just you get more out of it every time. There's some, always something new that you learn. So, anyway, let's get back into it. Uh, in addition, none of the hues are secondary or composite by their nature. Green is no more secondary than blue is. The third problem is that spacing of the colors on the traditional wheel is out of proportion, like a clock face with some of the numbers bunched up in one corner, center of the figure three. We saw that already. Um, it expands the yellow and orange red section of the spectrum too much so that the red is at four o'clock instead of at two, and the blue is at eight o'clock instead of six. This uneven distribution came about partly because our eyes are more sensitive to small differences among the yellows, oranges, reds, blues, and partly because pigments are more numerous for warm colors compared to cool ones. 
There have always been many available pigments for the oranges and reds, but few for the violets and greens. Um, the precious pigments vermilion and ultramarine uh, became our mental image for red and blue. Um, oh. So uh, you know, these are, um, I think these are just some of the, uh, the, also it might have to do with wavelengths of light, right? There's, there's a difference in the wavelengths as far as like the warm colors and the cool colors. Um, and so uh, again, this is very interesting to, to think about it, right? So that way, you know, when you're planning your color compositions, at least you're, you have some information to go by. Uh, so the Munsell system, this is, uh, you know, many contemporary realist painters use the system developed by Albert Munsell about a century ago. Instead of divisions of three and 12, the structure is based on 10 evenly spaced spectral hues. Difference to Munsell, the diagram here shows reds on the left. Um, so you can see what he's, uh, what he's talking about is, this is the, here's the Munsell wheel. It's this top example here. You can see all of the squares of color and, and all of them are evenly spaced, you know, uh, and they're, they're going towards neutrality, right? So you have the intense colors out on the outer, these outer squares, and they're going more towards neutral. Um, all, and why he mentions that it's uh, reds on the left is that you can see all the other color wheels are, uh, the reds are on the right. So anyway, out of deference to Munsell, he, he changed that up. That's the only reason. But, but anyway, um, uh, this is a uh, much more useful wheel than the traditional artist's color wheel because it allows for exact numerical descriptions of color notes. Students of Munsell's system have become accustomed to the 10 basic hues, yellow, uh, green, yellow, green, blue, green, blue, purple, blue, purple, red, purple, red, and yellow, red. So um, yeah, again, it doesn't have, uh, it doesn't have exactly the same you know, sort of color system. It's just another color system, right? These are all made up. Everybody's color system is made up, you know, um, especially because we were just talking about, like it's invented this wrapping the color spectrum around a circle um, is, is, was invented by, you know, by scientists, by, by Isaac Newton in a way, and Goethe. These people, you know, that were studying optics and, you know, the, the, the color that our vision perceives. This is the most, you know, this was the most sort of understandable representation, right? Instead of this sort of just split up for forever. Um, but anyways, you know, that's, that's what we see when we look at the, the visible spectrum of light versus like the whole spectrum of electromagnetic radiation, which is light, right? It's just a small little, little cross section, uh, but we can keep going in a circle, right? It's, a, it's infinite and always sort of keep moving around it, which is so nice, right? Cyan, magenta, and yellow in the world of uh, printing and photography, three colors that mix the widest range of high chroma colors are cyan, magenta, and yellow. These printers primaries together with black, K, are also known by the shorthand CMYK. Hopefully you've heard of that before, CMYK. It's, you know, it's like all the ink you have to buy for your printer <laughs> or whatever. Um, that's what they're talking about. Cyan, magenta, and yellow. K is the black. That's the black ink. Um, they are used throughout the industry on offset lithography, computer printing, and film photography. Um, if, all under, if all other industries use uh, different primaries from the yellow, red, blue primaries, we artists are accustomed to, uh, then why do we keep them? That one reason 
is simple force of habit. Cyan and magenta don't match our mental image of the blue and red concepts we've uh, accepted since early childhood. Right? I think that's a nice point. You know what I mean? They are, they're similar, right? But they're not exactly the, you know, those really intense sort of, this is what red is. And we have a definition. We have a presupposition that we've, we've been, we've been, uh, you know, doctrinated with. Um, but of course, if you mix tattoo inks, right? If you mix paint, you know that you're not going to get exactly the, you know, this intense color by, you know, you're not going to get the most intense orange, for instance, if you mix yellow tattoo ink with red tattoo ink. It's, it's not the same thing as the, the orange ink that you could pour from the bottle, let's say, right? There's a difference. Um, and so it was, it's probably mixed up with some slightly, you know, different sort of mixture, right? Than just those, just those particular ones. Um, but when you mix up when you mix up colors from a limited palette, right, you're going to come up with more harmonies, right, rather than just sort of picking each individual color, right. This is what we this is what we've been kind of talking about today as well as like, you know, if we have to limit our palettes. Sometimes it's a good practice to do, but you know, um, uh, when you do it, you you may have to sacrifice sort of intensity, right, for harmony. That's that is something, and that could be better sometimes, to be honest. So, uh, red, green, and blue. Right is a, uh, is a corrected wheel, um, first uh, digital form, and then first in digital form, and then uh, and then painted in oil. Note that half uh, halfway mixtures between yellow and magenta and cyan are red, uh, really orange red, blue really violet blue, green, and these three colors RGB or red, green, and blue are significant because they are the primary colors of light as opposed to pigment. This is something you know they're. They're basically color theory breaks into two different categories. There is additive color theory and subtractive color theory. Additive color theory is, of course, the theory behind uh, your screen, right? That you're lo looking at right now. How does it? How does how does the screen produce the colors that you see? It's by adding the different wavelengths of light together. The RGB, the red, blue, green. Right? So it's using, and here we go. We're just, just like James Gurney was talking about, green as a primary color, right? We, we, don't, we don't always think of it that way, but green, green is a primary. You add the colors together spectrally, it produces the others, right? When we talk about pigments, tattoos are included in this, right? That's a subtractive color theory. What happens is the way that we see color is reflects light, a surface reflects light, an object reflects light, your skin reflects light. It's otherwise it's absorbing all of the, you know, the different wavelengths of light. So we're only reflecting the ones you see. So if you see red, that substance, that surface is absorbing all the other spectrum of light and it's reflecting the red spectrum back to you, right? If you see something that's very light in value, you know, we generalize it, say that's white, you know, it's reflecting all of the spectrum back, when it's you know the generalized darkest dark, we could say black. It's absorbing it, as much of it as you can, and it's 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 reflecting very little back. And that's the you know and that's how that's subtractive, right? And so, anyways, um, these these three colors, red, green, and blue, are significant because they are the primary colors of light as opposed to pigment. Lighting designers and computer graphics artists consider RGB as their primaries, and CM cyan, magenta, and yellow as their secondaries. Uh, mixing red, green, and blue lights together on the theatrical stage or a computer screen results in white light. 
until recently, has been hard for chemical pigments that would match up with uh, cyan, magenta, and yellow primaries. And it's still impossible to find pigments that have their properties uh, that the artists want. The pigments cadmium yellow light, um, quinacridone magenta, and thalocyan come close. But the latter two are unsatisfactory if you like opacity. Right. I love these words. Right. I love I love the, the you know, the chemical names for for colors. It's they're so uh, they're so fascinating. Beautiful, beautiful language, you know, around color. It's it's beautiful working with color. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's a, such a such a such an incredible privilege and um, such a such a such a, you know, like incredible thing to dedicate your life to. So anyway, uh, the Yermbly wheel. Oh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, uh, placing red, green, and blue on the wheel evenly beneath cyan, magenta, and yellow create a universal color wheel useful in many different settings. Um, think of these as six equal primaries, yellow, red, magenta, blue, cyan, and green. Counting clockwise from the top of the wheel, they are yellow, red, magenta, blue, cyan, and green. You can remember them as Yermbly, Yermbly. <laughs> Or you must, uh, you ride my bus, cousin Gus. You ride my bus, cousin Gus. That's a, <laughs> it's uh, it's fun to it's fun to sort of you know come up with a with a phrase to help you you know mnemonic device if you like right. Um, should painters adopt this six primary color wheel? Uh, it's good to learn this mental image of the ideal color wheel, regardless of what pigments you actually use as primaries. What's important is that you know where colors uh, you're using actually belong on a mathematically accurate color wheel. So we can see that there's like intense colors and it's like heading in towards the middle. They get more and more neutralized on these, these two color wheel examples that you can see over here on the right-hand side. Okay, right, chroma and value, right? Like value is the most important thing. We've talked about that a lot, but uh, let's, let's, let's uh, dig into this a little bit. Whenever you paint directly from observation, you have to translate a wide range of tones that meet your eye. The colors on the palette often don't match a wide range of tones in a given scene. Uh, so as we saw on the previous page, every color can be defined in terms of two dimensions, hue, where it appears around on the edge of the color wheel, and chroma, how the pure or grayed down it appears, right? Third dimension to consider for any color mixture is the value or the lightness. The value dimension is generally represented along vertical um, and above and below the color wheel, creating a spherical, cylindrical, or double cone shape just in terms of the wheel, like we were seeing, like it was sort of going in towards the center. Um, uh, since it's a three-dimensional volume, it's also called color space or color solid. One of Albert Munsell's contributions to the understanding and practical use of color was his numerical classification system. Um, and so, you know, there's all, you can, you know, you can use Munsell's color classification system to find a particular color on his, you know, in his wheel that he developed. Um, many painters have adopted Munsell's color notations to help them accurately observe, select, and mix uh, any color. Artists uh, trained in the Munsell notation became accustomed to navigating in a three-dimensional color space each time they think about a color. I'm, I'm sort of reminded of uh, Russ Abbott's color wheel, you know, for tattoos. Like, you know, you can see that thing and it's, you know, it has all of the eternal inks all listed out in this way, sort of a, sort of a notation. Um, and so we can see James Gurney's little paint swatches here, sort of the, the intensity, 
you know what I mean? And it's, and it's also its neutrality, if you like. So um, peak chroma and value. Muscle observed that a given hue reaches its greatest chroma at one particular value um, called the home value or the peak chroma value. That peak value varies from color to color. Yellow, for example, is the most intense at the very light uh, value, while blue is the strongest when it's very dark. Red reaches a maximum chroma at the middle value. The hand-painted chart below takes those three hues uh, through all possible degrees of chroma and value. Chroma is constant along the vertical line while value is constant along the horizontal line. Uh, red neon, you can see there's an image here of red neon and then we're, we're gonna see a painting that James Gurney did of red neon. Red neon was the subject of a rainy day plein air painting. Um, the neon presented a problem because the effect on the eye couldn't be mixed with pigments. The neon color was one of the lightest values in the scene. The red orange color was also extremely saturated. The only paint that could simulate that high value was pure white oil paint, but then it would have no hue character at all. Likewise, for any light tint of the red was noticeable, weak in chroma. It looked orange or pink <clears throat> and bright red um, as it came from the tube wouldn't work because the peak chroma value was far too dark compared to white. The compromise was to paint the neon bulb in a pure tint of orange red and surround it uh, with a flood of red orange at the mid value. Uh, so the digital photo above, which we just saw, you can see it says drugs. Um, it sort of, it presents that. So here's his painting of the neon sign. I think it's very effective. Mm. I think that this works well. And you can sort of see, you know, that it's, that it has a high, uh, you know, it has a high value, uh, you know, lightness, but also there's a, there's a real intensity of hue as well. Um, so like, how is this achieved? Um, here's another, we'll just go back and look at that for a minute. It's like yeah beautiful. so is it, are we saying that it's the it's the muted blues that are allowing for this the muted blues and purples yeah i think well so what so you can see that if we if we zoom up a bit we can see that there is like it's it's fairly neutral right this really light you know this light red orange that's happening that's the actual neon bulb itself right the glass of it it's you know there's a there's a you know, it's, it's light, but it's also, it doesn't have that color, color character. But surrounded is this wash of, you know, of more intense colors. And it's contrasted by darker, neutral, cool colors. Right? So, so mm -hmm. through, and then there's also, you can see there's a really dark note in the middle, right? And these little, these little edges of small darks that's darkest. It's darker here than it is like back here in the background. Mm. right it's it, it's it's punchy right there's the highest bit of contrast there's a lot of different contrasts in this but the you know the most the most intense contrast that's what i would say like if i look at the dark this little dark spot for instance right here it's it might be the darkest spot in the whole image it's right there at this little corner of the u and the g um it has the darkest value it certainly has the highest contrast because you know everything is really really tight together um, and that I think is why it starts to feel luminous and you know illuminated um, again sort of this really you know, beautiful reflection all of these gumballs you know they they certainly it looks like an orange gumball it looks like a yellow one this sort of a thing 
but you know we can see if we look at them there you know there there's a lot of different a lot of different colors happening it's not just the one there's a lot going on um and so right um i think these are the these are some of the things that you know really want to um really want to highlight as we're talking about our our ideas of color where to use intensity versus where to use you know something more neutral to give contrast um, for instance the silver you know this silverish chrome top of, of the gumball machine those are all very neutral grays right it's not flat there's a there's a lot of contrast there's in fact there's there's like some of the darkest darks and the lightest lights are, are very closely you know proximate to each other that gives us this very shiny appearance um, the gumballs themselves, very intense, you know, <clears throat> hue arrangement. And then the, you know, the machine itself, very intense red. And that's, that's contrasted with a very neutralized sort of background. The glass between is neutralized. That made me think of the, you know, the artist that we were, that we were just looking at, Drew's work, where you saw that red skull, very, very, you know, dramatic. It brought our eye to that object, where all of the neutralness, like, the leaves were very neutral, they were slightly orange, but very neutral. The glass as well had a, had a real neutral character to it. So um, local color, right? Local color is the surface of an object as it appears close up in white light. If you add, uh, or if you held up a matching paint swatch right against it, that swatch would be the local color. However, the color you actually mix to paint that object will be different. You would same thing with a tattoo. I, I was thinking about this in terms of like, when we look at a photo reference for our, you know what I mean? We're trying to match up colors for a photo reference. In a way, there's a real, there's a real parallel, you know, to painting from life. All right, it's different. Looking at a photo is, everything's stable. All right, if you're looking at, if you're watching life and trying to paint, you're gonna have so many uh, slight differences. There's all sorts of contingency that happens, but, but again, how do you how do you match up? Do you match color for color? That can be very challenging, right? Instead, there may be a sort of generalizing that you end up having to do at a certain point that helps you achieve the uh, you know the effect that you that you want. Um, so here he talks to the story about visiting Malta. All the buses in Malta are painted uh, bands of yellow, red, and white. When I sat down to paint this sketch above, my job wasn't. Uh, um, wasn't too different from the task of filling in a coloring book. The colors on my painting resembled actual paint colors used on the bus. But even in this simple sketch, I had to make a few modifications to the local color. I lightened the yellow in the plane above the wheel. You can see the little, you know, it's light yellow highlight on it. Um, and uh, the red band also had to be a uh, lighter at the top where it angled back to pick up the light. Yeah, right there on the, on the front of the bus, you see these, this little top edge. Kind of gives us a you know an impression of the form, the light on the form. Um, generally, the colors you actually mix in the painting will involve some modulation of the local color. You might lighten or darken the color to model the form, gray it down to push it back. Um, layers of atmosphere shift the hue to account for reflected light. Other things, grays and neutrals. Grays or neutrals are the opposite of the intense colors as we've been talking about. Um, Sometimes we associate grays with blandness or dullness, but they are actually an artist's best friend. More paintings fail because of too much intense color rather than too much gray. 
I think we could just sort of substitute the word tattoo. <laughs> in there. Really, you know what I mean? Too oh. much intensity. It just means that you don't have it. You don't have any contrast. Contrast is about difference. So having some neutrality, some neutral colors, along with your very intense ones can just can offer a much wider, you know, uh, array of possibilities. And so, um, so we can see like this very, you know, it, it's sort of geometrically about in the center of this composition, this little red Texaco, you know, like logo. And then, you know, there's some, it, it gets picked up over here in this vehicle, right? That same intense red. So, you know, again, we're kind of bouncing back and forth. There are other visual devices that compose sort of moves our eye around the composition. Um, but certainly uh, there's also a really nice the rule of thirds as far as composition goes, how this thing is composed, like the top of the sign aligns probably with the, you know, the, this third of the way down. And then you can see this, there's a third of the way, there's this, the dock of this area, you know, the top of this trunk, for instance. So nice sort of, you know, nice sort of compositional devices. Again, it's there, but it's not cheesy. You know what I mean? It's not, it's there, but it's not too, uh, you know, um, it, it helps it, right? It helps it. But even in this one, right? It's, you run the risk of making something very static, you know, by putting something directly in the center. So it's just, it's, it's almost at the center, right? But it's just a little bit off. So there's something interesting, right? About having that intention, you, you know, if you put something in the very center, think about like a mandala or something, it becomes very static contemplative, if you like, makes you contemplate stuff. But having it just off the center, it almost, it almost makes it, it raises the tension because almost visually you want to sort of bring it, you want it to center. Once you put it in the center again, like you reach this sort of, you know, uh, <laughs> you've released the tensions, right? There's pleasure, right? <laughs> in there, you know, in that center part. Um, so yeah, so grays can provide the setting for bright color accents. This is the that's the concept there. Another example of this incredible like neon stuff, very interesting. And again, I think we can see, uh, you know, this, this sort of using this really dark, um, this really dark accent around, you know, so intense colors and then a light one. So that's, there's a full range of value, right? And the contrast is there. It's very, this very light sort of, you know, says, uh, sign, right, is, is neutral, very neutral that surrounds it, supports all those intense colors. We just think of it look probably a white sign, but it's, it's not that, right? There's a lot of gray, there's a lot of color right here in this sign that surrounds diner, right? Um, but in our minds, we put it together as white. And then, of course, you see this little open neon sign, very, um, very wonderful. Uh, Hey, I have a, a tattoo-related question. Yeah, of course. It's completely off-topic, but I just—I was like, well, maybe I can just... I just got a message from one of my clients. She just got a flu shot, and she wants to know if it will affect the tattoo process in any way. This is a fairly large tattoo that I'm pretty excited about, so I hope your answer is going to be no. That will affect the tattoo in absolutely no way. I really don't have any idea about it. Um, she yeah. may, uh, uh, she, I don't, yeah, I, I can't answer. She may not feel, you know, her 100% that day, 
You know what I mean? If she's she just got a flu shot, that can make you feel a bit under the weather at times. Um, Kyle, you know anything about this? Is this uh, uh, it's just the, about the exact same thing as you did? You know, like I don't really see <laughs> the tattoo at all, but she might feel like crap um, getting tattooed, which would make the process a little bit worse on her end. Oh, yeah. So gotcha. I, don't, I don't see it well, affecting the tattoo at all. Okay, sweet. I'll just let her know that it'll, it won't affect the tattoo, but you might want to stay hydrated and just kind of check in with your yeah, body. And yeah, 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 yeah. Well rested, pajamas, all that fun stuff. Yeah. There is, cool. uh, um, oh, that's beautiful. There's, there's, yeah, there's a bit more, you know, so he talks here a bit about like the green problem. Again, it's sort of a, you know, um, it can be tough, right? To sort of mix a green that has this sort of intensity that you want, but again, you're going to get, you're going to get more harmony when you mix your colors together. Um, so it may be, you know, it may be advantageous to sort of add, you know, a little bit of green, you know what I mean? That, that you know, sort of thinking about it like a primate. Um, but you'll want to mix that in the other ones too. Um, there's a lot to color. So it's worthwhile, worth your time to sit down, study, you know, the work of others. And, and then of course, you know, read some, um, read some art books about it. Um, we've talked about color a few times. Look at all these greens. Look, so many greens, really. You know what I mean? It's, they're all have, there's a real harmonious um, relationship to all of the greens here. But again, you know, there's, there's a lot going on that can be, uh, that I think can be very, very beautiful. A little bit of atmosphere. I love this painting. Um, looks like Hudson, you know, river school sort of a thing. Um, but I do believe this is a James Gurney piece. Uh, tint, right? Tint is adding white. So you're kind of, you know, we call it pastel is another word for it, but, you know, but the tint is adding white and making the, um, you know, you can add a little bit of atmosphere, you know, atmospheric perspective. Um, and so, yeah. Here's, here's one more finish on this, this epic. I don't know if I can back up. Come on. Damn. Pretty cool, right? Um, yeah, it looks like they've broken through the gates. Uh, Kick-ass bird. Um, so anyway, that was, the, that was the chapter on color I really wanted to share with you. Um, James Gurney. Uh, very, uh, very fantastic uh, artist. Um, and I think I think this is a this is appropriate here. We could probably show a little bit of this work. So get back to tattoos, right? Because that's our theme. Uh, but Mike Stockings, Mike Stockings uh, is a credible tattooer. And uh, look at this, some uh, like some uh, some neon in tattoo form. How do you do that? <laughs> you know, we we're looking at some paintings that had some neon stuff going on. But how does he do this neon tattoo effect? Um, he's taken us through the process, but I think watching it, it doesn't quite, it still doesn't quite explain it. It just, it's magical. You know what I mean? Very much has that sort of luminous neon effect to it. Um, wow, look at that. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, let's see if here's a, Ooh. here's this, um, 
this ape face, ape neon ape, and a cover up too. Why not? Because you make it make it even uh, another degree of difficulty. So nice, you know, composing. Mike Stocking. Yeah, yeah, Mike Stocking. He also does some really nice uh, um, videos. There it is. Very, very, mm. very. He also does some really nice videos about, you know, Procreate mm -hmm. uh, tips and stuff. Um, yes. And so it can really be, I think, um, it's going to really be very nice, uh, you know, to go through. Let's see. Is there any more? Because we were talking about, uh, he does these glowing ones too that are very, very sweet. So just illuminated, looks like, you know, it looks like there's a strong red light that's happening underneath. Um, yeah, very, uh, very effective use, right, of color theory. Here's the same sort of thing we were just talking about, right? All this neutral stuff. And of course, like an intense sort of value relationship along with intense color. There's a, there's a strong contrast of, of tonal value and then intense color. Maybe that's the right way to frame based on the language you're using, right? But again, like if, if this had, you know, if all this back of the ear and all this back of the stuff had been just the same intensity as this red or this yellow, it, it would lose some of the character, right? It would lose something. Um, so there really is a, a, some, some, beautiful, um, some beautiful uses of color theory. Here. Do you uh, think that that's just yeah. flat, white, like flat? Uh, if you go back to the wolf, like his teeth and the eyes, like, do you think that that's just like just one color? Like, the, yeah, the teeth, like, like one it. orange? It looks like it. And there's a certainly like a neo traditional vibe to, you know, to say a piece like this and maybe, maybe even some of the other ones that we're seeing. Um, mm -hmm. There's a simplified, you know, character to these things. Yeah, the teeth don't look rendered. You know, there isn't like a there isn't like a shadow side or anything. It's just contrast between the you know, the dark right and the the lighter um, the tooth right. All of the red that's on the face, um, mm -hmm. but the dimension does come through back. You know, for the overall head shape itself. So it right. is kind of an interesting is interesting graphical mix where you have um, this nod to what we would, you know, what we would call realism, to my understanding, you know, and so, and I, I may not be 100% accurate here, but for realism, it's like representations that have a, a, a real, like, they represent the real in some way. Yeah, I would definitely say that he takes you know, from realism. I mean, just, just looking at the light source, you could tell that the light source is kind of coming from maybe like 45 degree angle down, you know what I mean? It's like being lit in front of So that's a, that's a real aspect of, you know, his tattooing, but is is just the kind of the way he designs this is absolutely like a neo-traditional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where photorealism would be a different thing, where we're really trying to capture, you know, like subtleties of a photograph or something like that, or even, you know, like there can be a, there can be like a very, you know, I mean, even in, you know, if you're academically sort of, you're drawing something from life, you're, you know, you're redrawing it again, there's going to be some, you know, there's always going to be stylization, no matter what you do. Um, but um, yeah, there's a looks like Jurassic Park that scene, <laughs> you know, 
Uh, so fun, just a really fun kind of take on that. Yeah, there's a whimsy that here. There's all kinds of, you know, there's all kinds of really great color theory and stuff, really pertinent to, to, um, to what we were talking about. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah, that was where, uh, that's what I wanted to, um, that's really what I wanted to share with you guys and, you know, open up the, open up the floor to some, uh, to some comments and stuff. And, um, Maybe if anybody else wanted to share, you know. I'm glad that you shared that. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, just, I'm just saying that I, I have to, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my uh, conversational skills on Zoom. I, I have a uh, challenge with interrupting because I'm not exactly certain. You, you don't get the little nuances that if someone is finished with what they're about to say in Zoom, so you're going to have to, you know, mm -hmm. do like a little bit of a jump rope type thing. Um, uh, so, yeah, no, I'm really glad that you shared this because it's, I, I really like this guy's style. Um, you know, I, I was talking to Kyle and I, you know, I was just saying that, um, you know, I, I feel as though everybody just wants realism these days, but you know, he was telling me like, nah, <laughs> you know, like he was saying that his wife does neo-traditional and she's booked up, you know, it's, it's a lot of people. It's just people just want beautiful, beautiful work that that speaks to them. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily just, I mean, you don't have to represent reality in a real way. You can do it in ways that will shock people and still, you know, give that shock value. Uh, because honestly, I think that that's, that's what realism is. It's the shock value. It's the, oh my God, it looks so real. It's the, you know what I mean? It's amazing. And you know what I mean? Who, the only thing that we know that could do that is a camera of it. Your human hands did it. And that's fascinating. Um, but uh, yeah, just, you know, when you showed these, um, wow, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah, this is dope. This is dope. I love this. This makes me feel a certain type of way. It evokes emotion. You know, um, and that's kind of one of the things that I'm really interested in. I'm really interested in how artists are able to utilize elements of art to evoke emotion and to move, move you. You know, all right, let's rant over. Well, I I think that you know if anybody that uses Zoom, you know, it's the the way to conversate on this platform is, is there's challenges, you know what I mean? It's not the same as being a person and stuff. So, um, so yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely understand, you know, where you're coming from. Um, but this one, this is just one, Gabe sent me a recommendation. He wanted, he's like, you know, show Jillian Marie. Um, uh, and yeah, this amazing neo-traditional stuff super bold but of course again we're seeing this this very sort of calibrated approach to uh, you know to sort of there's neutral colors there's intense colors there's the full range of tonal value right there's dark darks there's really bright lights um and again the graphical quality that you that you get in neo-traditional but through the use of lines and edges Right. There's there's lines and there's edges. And, and so both are being used. It seems like it's pretty important in the photorealist sort of camp that you don't really use lines too much. You know what I mean? 
It's all about it's edge on edge. Whereas with neo-traditional tattooing, you know, more broadly, outlines are a very important component that we we rely on a lot. I don't think it lessens. You know what I mean? I don't think it devalues it. I think it's a, you know, it's it's it is expedient, but it's also very effective and it lends a different aesthetical quality to things. So and some people, you know, some people really like the, you know, no outline sort of thing. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah, each, the, the, these are so beautiful. Yeah, like this mm-hmm. thing too. Yeah. They jump out at you. I mean, they just jump off the screen. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, they're very wonderful. Um, but yeah, no, I think um, Wait, right I like how everything's just like in its specific spot. It doesn't bleed over into like really anything else at all. Mm. You mean like another tattoo or well, like where the her reds, like when one of those pieces, like the blue is at the blue, you know, like it doesn't, the blue is not anywhere else. Um, it's like on this one, like the flowers, like they're the blues and bluish grays, and that's it. It doesn't go anywhere else. You know, the, the grays on the bird are gray, but they're not the bluish gray, you know. Uh, it's very controlled and very like specific in its area. Mm. There's a different color character to the gray, right? Mm-hmm. Warm gray in the bird, and then the flowers have a cool gray. But yeah, mm-hmm. really intense yellows here around the beak and around the eyes. So just really, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, mm-hmm. cats and tattoos everybody. I, <laughs> this is beautiful work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love this. So again, yeah, very cool neo traditional sort of thing, um, but also just a you know a real like. Uh, there's a real fidelity to life and to realism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's stylized, but there's also, you know, there's just a lot of, sort of uh, there's a, there's a, there is a real great attention to the details that make, you know, that make it what it is. But this one, I, when I saw it, I was like, uh, wow, <laughs> what a technically, uh, you know, perfect tattoo, <laughs> technically <laughs> perfect in its application. Incredible. She loved doing all those circles. I will tell you that much. She loved doing all those circles. <laughs> mm. But no, she she knocked this out of the ballpark. She did so good on it. Yeah, this one should this one should be famous. Um, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. How did how to get how to get this this sort of saturation? And then you know, of course, here we can see these little, very subtle. <laughs> Those are actually stencil, but I like it? how okay. it looks over <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait a minute, how did you tattoo that? All right, so stencil. Fine. Yeah, yeah. I still like it though. I still think it looks pretty cool. Yeah, really good. Done. yeah. They are uh the overall the whole thing though is just it really is um yeah so impressive. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful tattoo. Yeah, she did really, really good on that. Yeah, a lot of really good ones. Oh, look at this. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> oh man. See, I, I just love how like I'm yeah, I, it's almost because I you know I'm I'm what I I just spent so much time learning like shadow and depth and form, you know, but you you know you have artists that like it doesn't even look like they're shadow, like the head is not creating a shadow of the body. You know, there's not a, a a shadow under the legs. You know what I mean? But there's still you could still tell that these things have, are coming forward more, and you can tell that you know what I mean um, mm-hmm. that these things are round and and have form. And I, I really I really like that. It's just like they're using other devices other than you know shadow to create form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like like line weight and the contour of everything. You know. Mm-hmm little subtle things like that help out so much right well cartoons work you know what i mean mm-hmm. like we all, we all love cartoons and stuff and so it's like that works um yeah, and so it's kind of the there's a similar principle and stuff you know that's probably at play oh cool fun bottle mm-hmm. Yep, saturated yeah, but, purple, everything else is desaturated, you know? Yes. Focal well, points. It, it's interesting. So I just want to say, like, so Kyle, when you say desaturated, you're talking about the, it's neutral. Oh, yeah, 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 neutral. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, uh, low we get problem? into this, we get into this sort of, uh, it's, you're right in your language. It's just sort of like we, you know, tattooers use saturated to refer to how much ink you got in there. But, but when you're saying saturated in this case you're talking about like that's is a neutral do, do gray you think that like the amount of ink in the skin can also like it could also uh almost be uh um put as like opacity you know what i mean totally yeah totally okay so because that's how my brain works like the opacity of like how much is in the, the ink is in the skin like you know like 100 percent uh, opacity yeah whatever but that's completely besides the point but yeah, yeah, yeah. The low chroma is that same thing? Yeah, so I, you're, that's a that's the thing. You are right, a hundred. You know, like you're right here in, in all the words you're using. But it's but like the 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 thing that we get hung up on. You know what I mean? Would be like again. You know. Uh, oh, okay. Tattoos yeah, yeah. are tattoos are ink is transparent. You know what I mean? We're seeing that. You know. Uh, but even in oil, like oil paints are transparent, but you would still talk about opacity there as well to certain degrees. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm picking up now. Yeah. So the, the oh, intensity, right? That yeah, would be intensity the and the neutral. I gotcha. Right. That would be the that would be words. To, you know, again, like you know, as mentors and stuff like that, we're gonna have young tattooers we're talking to, or even old ones. You know what I mean? We're talking about stuff, and so it's just so common in the in the biz, right? When, when tattooers say intensity or when tattooers say, you know, saturation, uh, that's so often that's what they mean. But of course, in color theory language is, you know, like it means that, you know, mm-hmm. they're talking about the same stuff, but um, it can be, um, like it can be important to sort of, you know, as we, you know, we sort of just make sure to emphasize things um, because exa- you're exactly right. And you're using language using is perfectly acceptable. It's just people get that it's tough. It is so tough, right? There, these mm-hmm. two things that, you know, that we talk about there, they're so there's such a parallel, mm-hmm. between them, but they, you know, but this is what I find, you know, it's like 
it's how do you communicate it? And it's, it can be such a challenge, but yeah, mm -hmm. this is, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Have you seen her fish yet? Let's, let's look at it. Which one uh, was it? This, uh, it trout, this like rainbow trout guy. Uh, she got, yeah, she did those ones recently on a, a client from California. I think it's farther down because she okay. did one on her dad and it's just, I can't, I can't do fish like that. Oh. Yeah, the, the the so the saturation, the actual <laughs> the saturation of the ink, and but yeah. such tight, you know, it's such a tight detail. Uh -huh. Crazy, that's crazy to me. Like how how technically demanding. Yeah. Like, what does she use? Does she use like little round needles and fill it in or something like that? Uh, she uses majority of the time. Um, yeah, she uses round shaders and mags. Um, she's all the brushes. It looks it looks smooth like a mag, and but you know what I mean. But it's just it's mm -hmm. so so packed in, so tight. It's um, mm -hmm. it's technically dazzling. All right, yeah. lower down. You want to see this fish? I'd love to see yeah. it. Yeah, she did it on her dad. And it's this just, one, that one. Yeah, it healed up so fucking good. It still looks wow. like that. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Can we zoom in a little bit and see see some of the surface? Yeah. See, yeah. look at the, the fin. This, uh. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, so that's great. serious. <laughs> that's serious. Right. And this is all edge. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we're talking about lines and stuff like that. The only lines are there just for, you know, just to firm up the edge slightly, but there isn't any, you know, like line weight. That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of taking, you know, knocking us out of the illusion. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a tromploy thing it's, it's really interesting and then yeah this is really nice i think this is was really you know this is a really beautiful moment right here lost sort of edge especially i bet mm -hmm. i bet healed it's even more oh yeah this little sort of mm -hmm. how it just like slowly fades from like solid black and then it just goes into that gray line like yeah it's awesome yeah focus thing yep and here too, you know what I mean? These, the use of this sort of a you know, very cool gray mm -hmm. to a warm gray underneath. You know, there's like, there's, you know, really sort of masterful use. And, and that is what allows us to have these really beautiful colors, I think. You know what I mean? Is that mm -hmm. different contrast between, you know, we have these really intense colors versus uh, really, really neutral ones. Mm -hmm. Just go, yeah. So, very neutral, very neutral, and just accents of color and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really beautiful. Love it. Super good. <laughs> it is. It's beautiful. And, and then again, you know, it's sort of, um, it's wonderful to admire the work of other, other tattooers, right? And especially, you know, it's very interesting, I think, to kind of see reflected back, you know, some of these fundamentals we were just talking about. Here they are being, you know, practically applied in mm -hmm. very effective ways. All the artists that we just looked at, I think, were, you know, they're very much they're thinking about these ideas that we were talking. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, that's not to demystify it. Hopefully, this what hopefully we didn't answer any questions for anybody. We like <laughs> we we're gonna like you know get you motivated to get out there and start doing doing your research and doing your color mm -hmm. studies and stuff. 
You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But that's what I don't think we do answers here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, I don't no think we do any of that. I yeah. think we make I think we make questions here. You know what I mean? That's the open that we do. So um um, yeah. so, uh, spirit, I did, uh, the, the, the whole vaccine tattoo thing. Are you doing the tattoo over the vaccine area? No, that I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know. Uh, okay. I, Cause I would imagine that would pose an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's all I'm reading. That's the only thing it's like, I'm, I'm not seeing any like studies or like any evidence. It's just like, Hey, don't do it. Just don't tattoo over the vaccinated area. So if it's somewhere else, okay. like hundred percent, don't worry, you're fine. Okay. Sweet. Thanks. But yeah, like the whole use of color, it's just, it's so fun. It's so, so much fun. Cause like it, it, instead of sticking to like, you're just like super, you know, uh, high chroma, um, colors, um, but, and that, that, that palette's very limited if you just keep everything like super high chroma, but then once you start breaking into like lower chromas and going lower and lower and using with the high chromas, it just like your color palette just just explodes. And it's, it's there's so many colors. It's so many colors. <laughs> Every little thing. Yeah, and that's one of the, yeah, exactly, Kyle. And that's kind of one of the things that I kind of get caught up in a lot um, is, you know, what, what colors to use, what combinations of colors to use you know I, mm -hmm. I primarily you know i feel like i'm a color guy you know what i mean um mm -hmm. and so just you know um just because another thing is like i don't want every color to be bright you mm -hmm. know i just want like one color to be bright you know what i mean but i i end up making all the colors bright you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. you know um maybe i should just start just using muted cool colors and just stop with the bright mm -hmm. like like whatever your focal point is make sure that one has the highest chroma you know and then everything else the the chroma is only allowed to go up so high you know mm -hmm. what i mean um and that way um the most like because like it, it seems like um if your your focal point is like super high saturated or uh super high chroma and then um but the other elements are like a lower chroma. You, it, it, you, it's almost like you tend to lose like a little, the more gray it is, the less interesting it becomes. Does that make sense? To where like, like your, your secondary items and like tertiary items and stuff like that, the, the grayer they become, the quicker and easier it is to uh, focus in on the focal point. Cause like your brain's mm -hmm. like distracted by all this, you know, like neutral colored things, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but I said that, so good words. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. That's great. That's great. So just what I got from it is, is basically that, you know what I mean? The more, the more, it's the more you have, it's, it's you're like just throwing too much shit at the brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if, if, if everything's like super high chroma, um, absolutely everything is like a, a, a way to, the, that I look at it, is like if we were in a, a band, you know, and everything like that, and then everybody was playing like their drum solo, the guitar solo, bass solo, singing everything all at once, you know, so like you can't focus on any anything. Like sometimes it does work out because like, you know, you got thicker lines like cartoons and like other types of mediums that rely on the high, high chroma stuff. It, it, it does work, but like for like, I don't know, more like 
the art that we do, you know, it works a lot better that way. It's where like, you know, like your guitar solo, that's the highest chroma um, thing in the, the, the thing. And then you've got like, you're more desaturated, like the leaves, that one's the red skull that we're looking at, like um, the, the leaves are more just like the, the drums that are just lightly playing, you know, behind it. And then like the other items, I can't think we're in there are just like, I don't know, the bass doing his little bump, but like it's, it's, it's allowing the guitars to shine with the support of the other members of the band. Mm. So, so it's, it's not like, like, yes, we have to go through every single inch and every single detail of, of the pieces that we draw and everything like that. We want everything to be perfect. So we want everything to stand out in, 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 in our attention. That's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, and, and, and execution, it doesn't always work out the greatest. Um, so it's, it's allowing, deciding on, um, what you want the piece to be focused around and then just kind of following the, the rules to help uh, accentuate your focal point compared to taking away from it. Mm. This is really interesting too, you know, because I like that metaphor, you know, you're talking about like how things to contrast, right. In terms of musicality, we can sort of, we can things sort of go to the periphery. Versus like what you focus on. And even in that word, I think it's right there. Like in our eyes, we have rods and cones. And those are the, you know, those are the things that help us perceive color and light. And so in the center of your eye, you have more cones that picks up the color. And so like, so with the things you focus on, you're looking at, you're going to see the color more intensely. The things that are on the periphery, the edge, they're going to be more about tone. They're going to be grayer. So mm -hmm. I think again, like as you're composing something, if you put color everywhere, I doesn't know where to, where to look. Yep. Just looking at every, just focusing on everything rather than like, you know, again, so it, in an image that you've generated, an image that you've, that you've created, you can, you can really sort of, you know, focus the eye on one thing and have it be this intense color that it really models the, the same kind of experience of looking at life. You know, when you look at life, you're going to, you're going to focus on something and you're going to see it's in, the color will intensity will increase, even if it is something that's dull, right? That's the same reason why when we study paintings, like, you know, you look at the grays, you can start to see the temperature. You might actually mm -hmm. start to see a color because all the gray, they are a color. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're neutral. They don't have this identity, but again, like you start to see what it's made out of. Mm -hmm. And those are the, you know, so there's an anatomical reason too that helps us to know Mm -hmm. that we'll, you know, when we're doing it, it's, you know, can be really effective. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you know, you might like, you know, there might be a part of it, like we're talking about, there's always, there's always things that are uh, exceptions. You can put colors everywhere because you want to dazzle the eye. You want it to sort of be very rambunctious and move around. You can mm -hmm. put composition, you can center it, make it very mm -hmm. static because that may be what you really want to have happen. Mm -hmm. I think if you unreflectively, you know, sort of, you put something in the middle and you're like, didn't think about it very much. You know, you put color every single place. It's very garish. It's like, that may not be the most effective way to convey the thing that you want. So it's, it might be, but it might not be. <laughs> so I, that's, that's why I think what we talked about today could be, could be so valuable. Um, and I just, yeah, I really loved, you know, hearing, hearing your both, your take on this and, you know, how, how you use it in your own work and stuff. I, it's mm -hmm. a, I think it's a constant process of 
working with it. You're mm-hmm. never gonna never gonna be perfect. If we mm-hmm. ask the artists that we just saw their work today, you know what I mean? Like, what do you think about <laughs> what do you think about this piece and that piece? I mm-hmm. bet they uh, you know they've had some criticism as well. Right. Because that's that's we're all our own worst critic, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is definitely kind of helping me understand too, because you know, just like another thing, another thing that these pieces are doing, the, the ones that are jumping out at you, it also gives your eye a place to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you really kind of get a sense of it makes it interesting because you have a bench to sit on in order to look at it. You can be mm-hmm. like, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like you can, you can just really they, there's the you know the 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 resting is uh, uh, a device that allows you to really really take in this this really interesting information. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I yeah, think that that's the best way I could explain the resting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes total sense. It helps out so much, and it's like the 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 contrast thing, like a. Uh, the way I've been explaining it to myself lately is like a high traffic area to where, you know, you have a bunch of stuff going on and there's a bunch of detail. There's that and the other thing. Well, it's like, I don't want to be in high traffic all day. So I want to go out in the countryside. So low traffic areas, you know, to where you can rest, relax and shit like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a very crucial thing with a lot of design work is making sure that you have places to where the eyes can rest. Um, so I guess that's why that would work with like, like traditional pieces, you know what I mean? Towards just like, um solid color line work high traffic area but then you've just got the skin all around them and that's that's the skin it's very very low traffic you know what i mean so i that makes sense so yeah i don't know yeah Word. no i love it I, I think that's i think that's very useful way to think about it too your eyes are the traffic right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they are it's moving around and stuff mm-hmm. fun fun word uh enucleated eye right <laughs> it's like yeah. a, a disembodied eye that sort of can go into a work of art and travel around where your body yeah. your eye can do that thing that's the traffic i love that i think you know I'm, i love that i love that metaphor i think that's the inoculated eye it's yeah. useful right for us to think about it and yeah. it's um it can get too busy, right? Just like mm-hmm. spirit thing. You have to have this place, some place to rest. Yeah. You get back into that, you know, the flow of everything. Um, and so, and that's why color wheel is probably, you know, like you stare at it, you're making color wheel and you're staring at it for, <laughs> for hours. Right. Like it can be, I think it can be exhausting. I really do. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, beautiful. If you, and so if you out there, you haven't made your color wheel in a while, it's good. It's a good exercise make mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. um i think you'll you'll you know enjoy that process um you ever done one with, one with inks like tattoo inks and stuff like that mm-hmm. hmm. i don't think i've never I, I never have i made them with i made them with watercolor and paints and colored pencils and stuff um but never with tattoo inks but that would be fun i think you know what i mean to it would be fun to make one you know maybe maybe like on a practice skin or something i guess you could do it on the on the yes. knee you know what i mean you, got, you, well, you know, i was saying like use them as paint like you know use you know with a brush mm-hmm. sure. yeah sure uh, are there rules to where we can only use the pre-mixed inks or can we mix our own colors 
Ooh, I think the field is yours. Shit, yeah. Possibilities are endless. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, I never even thought about making one's own color wheel. That's a, that's, I mean, it's yeah. I think it's a it's a useful thing. It really is, and so yeah, yeah. Get messy. Like try colors that you wouldn't like. Oh, let's mix these colors together. You know, just get messy. You know, screw it. Hmm. Just have fun with it. You know, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I gotta mix this specific color and this specific color. Like, screw it. I'm gonna mix like um, contrasting, you know, complementary colors. I'm gonna throw on another one. See what happens there. You know, see what kind of gray it makes and stuff like that. Because you know, it's just different colors. Yeah, there's uh, there's so much that you know, like a a big part of color wheel, of course, is you know that you're making those you're making those grays um uh, here i'm share this yeah right mm -hmm. this old this old color wheel this one this one is made out of eggs right <laughs> so you know um all of these all these different neutralized colors right that they're they're intense right but then there's also neutral versions you could see like at a certain you know at a certain value right here about like at the middle just like we were talking about like this sort of you know red orange right it's it's just about the middle value you know you can see middle middle gray 50 percent gray or something like that that's the most intense version of this particular, you know, particular color. Same thing here with this, you know, let's see, back up. Yeah, so I would say that, I would say that this, uh, that this one is the red, and uh, this one's the red-orange, this one, right? Something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I think we were also talking about, like, if we, if we look at the blue, where's the most intense blue? It's, true blue you can see how dark it is in value mm -hmm. you know what i mean so this the most intense blue color very dark it's very dark in nature where mm -hmm. yellow we jump up here right bright yellow lightning yellow lantern yellow yeah in my mind when i think about lightning yellow like usually it, it's almost it's a little it's slightly chalky you know what i mean it's, a, it's almost a, you know it's very it, there's a there's a lot of white in it that sort of mm -hmm. the, these really intense yellows they're right at the edge of the you know the the value spectrum there's you know, a little bit of uh, it's very light very light sort of value just like we were talking about i like i like that uh i like that relationship you know to the james gurney's thing and here russ Abbott's color wheel too i'm you know, just sort of thinking about uh you know how things go this is this is it's useful this little mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just, I just love like, oh, like the most intense blue is like so much darker than like the most intense green or the most like the, the it's already on like the, the color wheel itself already has its value, like variation. It's not all like the exact same value on the color wheel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm almost looking. It's it, 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 it feels like it's Georgia Pine, maybe Green River. It's a little bit subjective. Which one's the most intense? Yeah. You know. They are they're very close, but they're right up, you know, they're just at middle, just a little bit darker than middle. Um, but yeah, but like we saw the reds and stuff, greens there at the middle. Blue is dark at its intensest, most intense, and then the yellow, right? And it's most intense. 
And of course, intensity, the other word, you know, that we were using for intensity is saturation. Mm. Intensity in color theory means the same thing. So, you know, I think, you know, you're not, nobody's wrong when they say, when you, when you say it, that it's just, uh, just how it goes. Um, but this has been, this has been so much fun. Uh, just mm-hmm. get a chance to talk about this and, um, hopefully wetting your appetite. So you want more, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I, I did want to, I did want to plug, uh, Kyle's appearance as a, as a special guest on September 4th, Monday, September 4th, Kyle can't wait. That's coming yeah. up. It's like it's like two weeks away or something. Something like that. What? Yeah. What so it's gonna be the Kyle show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. I was just like, I got the invite, and I'm just like, uh, so we're just gonna do the same thing, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, be the same thing. <laughs> I'm, gonna a, I'm gonna bring a notepad of. Uh, all right, here we go. Number one. Let's let's pick do? brains, man. Let's let's just come up with some fun information. I love it. Yeah. Well, we're gonna really, we're gonna really spotlight you and your your work, and and you know, ask you about your career and your experiences. So I'm really looking forward to it. You know, um, I love getting to know know you guys. You know what I mean? Get to know everybody that that comes on here. It's uh, um, there's um, there's a real, I think, you know, community that's starting to form, and I'm mm-hmm. so so pleased by that. And again, I'm I'm really thankful that you all got a chance to show up and, um, you know, kind of help make it more lively, mm-hmm. right? It, it really added, I think, you know, a, a really real dimension to to the things that we're talking about. And, you know, mm-hmm. That everybody came and uh, so so again, thank you very much for coming. Um, let's do some sign offs, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up for for this week's episode. Um, Kyle, let's start with you. Give us give us your info. Okay. Um, my name is Kyle Olson. I tattoo out of Trinity Art Collective in Tucson, Arizona. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me via email, kyle at tac520.com, or you can hit me up on Instagram, Olson underscore tattoos, O-L-S-O-N. And I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about anything. So, Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, it was great seeing you today. It was great having a chance to, uh, you know, Again, I, I really loved your insights. Uh, so we're talking about design. We're talking about color theory. Um, I yeah, there was there was some ways that you were thinking about things that I I personally found very very helpful. So I really yeah, really great to talk to you. Thank you so much. And 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 thanks for allowing me to come and color theory and just values everything. I we could talk about that stuff for hours, dude. There's just so many layers to that onion it's so freaking cool you know uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah so thanks. thanks again for allowing me to come hang out and yeah theorize so any anytime yeah anytime we love your theory so spirit let's have you we'd love to hear uh where we can find you at yeah you know what um I, you can find me uh tattoos by spirit on instagram tattoos by spirit on TikTok and tattoosbyspirit.com. Um, and, uh, you know, um, anybody that's watching, I appreciate you guys for joining in. And we, we definitely love this show. We love coming together and picking each other's brains. It's, it's so helpful. And, uh, you know, um, y'all can find the link to the show if you ever want to zoom in at reinventingthetattoo.com. You can look at courses 
the um, like the information page and it has a little calendar and you could just click the Zoom link. Um, we would love to have you guys. It'd be great if it's, you know, we're regular people. You know what I'm saying? We just like to see, <laughs> see who else is doing other stuff out there. And it's really fascinating. And I'm really excited to um, 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 be here for Kyle's show. It's going to be exciting. So Yeah, it should cool. be fun. Yeah, no, uh, thank you again for coming, Spirit. Uh, it was, it was really great. Uh, you know, thank you for sharing um, the artist that you shared, uh, Drew. Mm-hmm. Drew's work. Um, it really was. Uh, let's see if I'm. I want to pronounce his name correctly. Uh, Drew Shallis. Yeah, at Drew Shallis. Um, very, uh, it was very beautiful getting a chance to see that. And uh, so thanks for bringing his, him to attention and um, yeah, for analyzing, right? We had a chance to analyze some of that work. And I thought that was, uh, mm-hmm. that was really, it's really useful. It's really fun. Um, so yeah, thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. Happy tattooing, everybody. Yeah, thank you, Spirit. Thank you, um, excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us. It's been a, a fantastic episode and uh, it's been a fun time. Um, you can always uh, find this episode and more at the Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube channel. You can also find us on the Reinventing the Tattoo homepage. Uh, I'm James Wisdom, a proud member of the APT, as well as uh, you can find me on the internet at Tattooing Wisdom. Um, happy drawing, everybody.